0: 4 Hello and welcome to the Big Travel Podcast. I'm Lisa Francesca Nand. Freya Riding's beautiful, heartfelt music gives you a wonderful sense of her warm and open personality. You're going to love Freya's stories here on the podcast. Learning to play on her nana's piano, growing up in a musical-talented family, her dad is the voice of Daddy Pig, Lost Without You, her song being played on Love Island, getting engaged in Lake Como, battling back from Australia before lockdown, and how also the beauty of travel allows for, and I quote, Time outside your environment to think new thoughts and have new ideas. Ahead of her new album, Blood Orange, it's Freya Riding. Yeah, are they your, uh, are they platinum discs? Platinum, I can't say it, let alone do yeah. one.
1: <laughs> I've got some others on this wall, but you can't see them. I should really put them on this wall, because they're a little more impressive. But They're all on the other wall, which you can't see. <laughs> How
0: many do you have? I don't even know what they mean in terms of numbers. Well, it's crazy, because I've got
1: four physical ones, but I found out recently that I've actually got 50, and I was like, wow, fuck. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. I was like, imagine having that many in a room. I mean, there's part of me that's like, maybe I should actually just get them all printed. It would just be fun just to look it at, li- just it to remind like... yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you need, isn't it? Like sort of markers of your achievements sometimes. I think even the most successful of people, you know, need to be reminded about how far they've come.
1: Yeah. Especially like when I was little and I was sort of putting my parents like vinyls on my wall to try and manifest it when I was like little, like the fact that that's real is just bizarre. It's crazy. It's crazy.
0: I I thought of that because that's a really good place to start, actually, because I I was looking at you, you know, at your travels to see where you've been and that sort of thing. You know, doing a bit of intense research, a.k.a. Googling. And uh, there's a lot of London um, growing up and you went to the Brit school as well, which I've heard very, very good things about. But what point did you realise that you wanted to be a musician? So I wanted
1: to like when I was younger, I started piano lessons because my mum plays piano and Celtic harp. Um, And I think watching her play it and her mum played it. So my grandma played it. And um, we had a really, really old piano. that's like it was over 100 years old and the keys were like crumbling off, like as you play it. And basically, I started wanting to write songs kind of when I was about eight or nine. And I kind of discovered my voice. And basically, yeah, my Nana was very, very kind. We couldn't afford a new piano. and She got us one that was really, really nice. And that's this piano that I've written. I wrote all my songs on, like Lost Without You, all of it. Because I think, you know, she didn't get the opportunity to kind of, she didn't live in a world where she got to be that level of musician. So I was like, I'm like honoured to kind of do it on her behalf,
0: you know. It's reminded me a little bit of Brian May's guitar, you know, that I still, I think he still uses today, doesn't he? That his dad made for him. I don't know if you know that story. But...
1: I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. no, he
0: dad made it for him and he still amazing. uses that guitar. Wow
1: today so I love Brian May I love like how intelligent he is as
0: well like being like Cambridge level is it like yeah I think he's really? a professor in astrophysics yeah that's crazy and,
1: and he also, he's also a rock star on the side yeah rock star on the side, but he
0: also campaigns so I don't know why we're talking about Brian May but uh we're talking he also campaigns to like save the badgers I remember going for a talk for a uh, to a talk for one time that he was doing and he was like we must save the badgers we need to speak to the badgers and I'm like no this is good we need to speak to the badgers <laughs> It stuck out. Um so yeah, talking of you growing up, like I have to admit that um one of the, I've met a lot of famous people in, in my work in, in music mm-hmm. and in travel, but one of the times I was most starstruck is when my kids were very young and I was watching Peppa Pig over and over again. Not by choice, I have to say, although it is very clever. And I my friend's a new friend's husband turned out to be the director. Now your dad is Daddy Pig. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I don't think I could look him in the eye. I'd be too, too in awe of it. And well, it's just his voice.
1: He doesn't. He doesn't look like that. Although the character is, <laughs> I would say, incre- Out of all the characters he's played over the years, I'd say Danny Pink is the closest to his actual personality.
0: That's like, Danny Pink is just a genius.
1: Yeah. It's amazing because we know the family who created it and they're so talented and so lovely. They were like a local family and we just kind of like, you know, they were like, oh, would you want to be in this sort of a cool indie, you know, kids cartoon show? And my dad's like, yeah, that's great. And it was so weird because like, you know, you never know like the influence that was sort of taken from it or whatever, but it's, it's really cool because it's like, it's me and my little brother and my mum and my dad. So sometimes I see some parallels, but then I'm like, it's also completely different, you know?
0: Right, I see. So did you ever have the opportunity to be Pepper? I know, never. I was too old. I was like, I was 12 when it began. And also, you've got this beautiful, uh, you know, sort of lovely, soft, deeper voice that Peppa just. Yeah, it's not like a kid's cartoon voice. Exactly. Uh, Was there many uh, opportunities for travel growing up? So, no. (laughs) basically. We didn't go anywhere. And that's why I love this
1: podcast, because basically I love learning about other people's travels and I love a recommendation. So very open to that. But it's basically growing up, I think watching my dad, my dad would only travel for work. Like like, there'd be a call and he'd be like on a plane to New Zealand, like the next day or a plane to like Vancouver, like in a heartbeat, trying to get him out of the house to do like any kind of holiday impossible and if we booked in a holiday it would be like in the UK maybe Wales because like my best friend moved to South Wales when I was little and that's just where we go and stay with them it was kind of around the Gower it's really beautiful area um and like Three Cliffs Bay and like these secret beautiful beaches but my dad would almost certainly get a job if we booked in a holiday it was almost like a guaranteed because it's such an unpredictable lifestyle like you know there's kind of pros and cons to that but we I'm not sure we had a family holiday outside of the UK ever I'm not gonna exaggerate ever so this summer first time yeah I know it's wild right some people be like yeah we're going like here and there there." but my dad did take me to LA when I was 14 as he was doing a convention for a not a sci-fi show but like a fantasy show that he was in called Outlander Mm -hmm. and the the lovely ladies who were running the convention really lovely American ladies heard that I sang they heard some of my music and they were like would she like to come out with you and so they they flew us out there. And I just remember my mind like exploding. Yeah. I literally was like jumping up and down when I found out. I was like, oh my God. Because I wanted to go someplace and do something so badly. And I got to play to this convention, you know, on this grand piano. Actually, it was in a bar in a hotel. I think it was the Western in, in, <laughs> in um, LA. And I've been to LA so many times since then. But I think that was the first chance I got to see that there was a world, you know, outside of North London. And it was incredible. And I loved it and yeah I get to play with these lovely ladies and they were so supportive and I think it really helped me kind of manifest going back there a lot for work because it felt like a you know once you've seen something you can you can do it again yes and absolutely. it wasn't like this barrier you know so that yeah, was the first time once you've seen I'm something you traveling. can do
0: it again that's a, that's a really good point i often say this about people in in jobs and uh, you know at home if that you know growing up if you want to get in TV, for example, and you don't know that people actually do work in it, you know, you don't just watch it on a screen, you can actually do it, do it, or same as if you want to be a, a lawyer or a doctor, or, you know, you need to see that path, yeah. don't you? And I can kind of see how that relates to travel. It, there's a lot of people that uh, f- go on far more uh, trips, either because they're privileged or their parents have, yeah. uh, you know, connections or whatever, uh, early yeah. on, and, and that sort of inspires them. But yeah, it is interesting to To just think your dad was obviously doing so much travel he was sick to death of it you know it's like I want to stay in and you're like yeah he doesn't want to go anywhere (laughs) when he comes home but my mum would always try and like find
1: holidays for us and like you know one time we were driving I think to like Ikea to like get a sofa or something and it's kind of on the road to Brighton and she just didn't turn into Ikea and we just kept driving to Brighton and we had this amazing day out and it was so lovely and it's like it's so funny because I get to travel so much for work now that it's kind of like I've replicated my dad what my dad did a bit which is like I travel so much for work that I, I have a mental block to booking holidays. I really do. I genuinely struggle. And this summer we actually booked our first holiday and it felt like awkward to do it. I was like, am I allowed to do this? I don't know. When you're self-employed, you're like, am I allowed to take yeah, this no, travel? No, no. I don't. But it was really important for us. And we actually, we um, went to Lake Tomo, which was so beautiful and like really, really hot. But the thing that blew my mind was not just like the incredible scenery and the food, because I would travel anywhere for food. Food is like my main goal for traveling. <laughs> so, the you know, the pasta was amazing. But mm. it was also the time that you have, like, outside of your environment to, like, think new thoughts and, like, have new ideas. Like, and we came back from that trip being like, I think we should, like, try and plan a wedding in the next two months. And I, I don't think if we'd have not had that time just to, like, walk by the lake and, like, like chat and, like, you know, just really connect again
0: yeah. and be a different version of ourselves. That's the thing I love the most about travel, I think, is that you get to be a
1: different yes. version of yourself.
0: God, oh, I wish I could express it like that. I'm going to write that down and express it because that's exactly how I see it. So this, this is your now husband. So you did actually, you know, you, yeah. you did do it. It's yeah, amazing. and
1: I don't think if we hadn't taken that holiday, I don't think we would. But I found it hard. I was like, wait, so we, and to be fair, I was still doing like mixed notes for the album, like, you know, on like a sun lounge. I just been like, <laughs> so I didn't really stop working, but we kind of no. signed off the album when we were out there and like feeling that weight lifted and feeling that like, so happy and so relieved that it was finished, and I was so proud of it. And I was like, "Oh, now I can really enjoy this trip," you know. You, you
0: um, talk a lot about um, heartbreak and your music, and actually, I've been sitting here, sort of listening to it. I was familiar with it anyway, but you, you sort of sit there and you think, "Right, you know, I'm going to get really familiar with yeah. it now." And I've been sitting here, choking back the tears. It's like really Aww. emotive. Sitting there, I'm like watching you sing, and I'm thinking, "How on earth are you not?" crying you know when you're trying to perform. I guess you get so exposed to it you're so used to it but it's so 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 moving and and you know just a relationship made me think of it
1: that's incredible thank you so much for saying that I think it's such a strange job because it's it's completely authentically like true every time you do it and it does it takes a huge amount of emotional energy like after I've been on stage or like on tour and stuff we're in a different city every night like I'll get into my bunk and I'm just like out I will sleep so much on tour because it's like I get I can't actually perform without giving it everything, and I'm not. Sometimes it's to my detriment. Like when we're you know rehearsing for a tour, the band will be like, "pace yourself, Raya. Don't do what you do. It's like half sing." It. I'm like, I can't. So I'll kind of I'll give it everything, and then I'll have to just mind the rest of the rehearsal because it's just yeah. too much. Because I want to give it everything, and then that's the same on stage. Like especially if there's a, an audience there. I'm like, I know what it's like to not have that audience, and I just feel so honored that I'm going to give them like the best I have. And the best I have is that like emotional connection and that vulnerability. And it's scary every time you do it. But you really feel it. You
0: really, it really rough. comes across. You know, to um, it really, really comes across, and it, you know, the lyrics and the the delivery. It's just, and it made me think of it there when you're talking about, you know, that really romantic living uh, in Lake Como, pretend, uh, you know, planning to get, deciding to get married. It's such a beautiful romantic place, anyway. But um, yeah. you know, to to be able to d- to do that is just so so lovely. Is this the is this the man? Because you got back together with someone, didn't you? As far as yeah, I know. yeah. Is he the so, one that broke that, your heart the first time? Well, not that he broke your heart, Not your heart was well, broken. This, there was a lot of
1: growing. Yeah, exactly. There was a lot of growing to be done, I think, on both both of our sides. And we'd, we've we known each other for, this will be the 10, 10 years of us knowing each other. And we were best friends for the first three years. I met him at an open mic night in North London when I was 19 and he was 22. So we kind of grew up together, you know? Mm. And I think there's a lot of sort of years where, especially when it's such an intense job, like, you know, we both do the same thing for a living. So it's like, You just have to do so much inner work to not let that stress come out on the other person and try and do the growth and not hurt them in the process. But I think the time apart and a lot of it was to do with travelling, ironically, like being on tour, I was like, I can't do this to you. Like there are other people in the world who have normal lives. And also the idea that, like, I'm doing what I love, but it is it's it's full on. And for three years, I basically wasn't at home. And so Mm. it's hard to have a relationship when you're just not there.
0: It's hard to keep anything going back home, isn't it? You know, friendships, relationships.
1: And And that's the problem is like, the thing I love most about music is writing about the people I love and things that I've struggled to say them with words I try and say in music. And suddenly something happened where the music kind of came above those people. And I was like, that's not right. It's not right. mm -hmm. And that's like, ironically, the lockdown gave me the chance to kind of rebalance that.
0: You were apparently in Australia, weren't you? When on school, when we we uh, were at the the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was
1: crazy because we never ever ever toured in january or february or march ever but for some reason we had a whole european tour booked in january we did the whole of europe we did like paris like all of germany like copenhagen all of it. and then then we got on a plane to australia a couple of weeks after and yeah we were we did shows in sydney and melbourne and those were the final shows of the tour um and i'd never i've never actually i've flown to america so many times but i've never actually gone the other way I'd never flown via Asia so we kind of stopped off in Singapore changed the flight and that was an amazing trip that was such a warm welcome I've never been to a country where I was like that warmly welcomed without ever having stepped foot there before I was like this is crazy that was they actually gave me that disc on the first day that I landed and I was like what is going on There's such beautiful people and the, the food was amazing and the, obviously the weather but you don't really some places it's when you get some days off is when you get to fall in love with the city apart from that you don't really see it which is sad, but when you do get to see it, I had a bit of a walk down to the Sydney Opera House on my own and I was like, oh, this is so nice. Mm. But I think I was struggling with that heartbreak and I was struggling with like, I was hiding from it via like adrenaline and traveling. And I think like anything that's like beautiful and addictive, you can take it to a place of harm or you can take it to a place where it's healthy. And I think maybe my level of traveling for, for work and work only was kind of getting a bit out of hand. <laughs> so yeah, we got on the plane, it was around the world, trip so tickets so we had to go via america on the way home and the borders were like about to shut and this was the okay. sunday and we managed to get back on the sunday and they shut on the monday so we were like scraped by but then i just felt so grateful for the whole of the pandemic that we did that much traveling in two three months because i was like i'm not going to travel for the next two years but i know it and i didn't i didn't get on a plane for two years and it had been like a plane every
0: day to no planes so that was quite a a wake-up call for me did you yeah. have a? Because um, even now, when you're talking about that, when you're talking about that late February, early March, 2020, I start mm. my my you know my I'm I'm getting goosebumps, you know, because I kind of take. I think everyone takes themselves back to what they were doing at that point, and borders yeah. shutting like bang, bang, bang. I can I can sort of almost visualize it around the world and. And yeah. I was stuck here. My family were, you know, friends were in other countries, and everyone rushing mm-hmm. to get back or being stuck somewhere. That you know, the, the sort yeah. of that sort makes me shiver. And maybe that's because I found lockdowns incredibly, incredibly hard to have my wings yeah. clipped like that. Yeah. Um, but how how was it for you? So you had all this intense period of travelling. So there must have been like quite a nice sort of recuperative period. But did you feel caged in, or, or were you quite accepting of it all?
1: I guess I felt kind of guilty because I was like, I was so ready to stop. I was so ready to have a break. I was like borderline ill by the end of it because I was just, I was not stopping at all. And so it kind of forced me to stop. And I remember being like, this is a sign from the universe. You need to stop. I mean, it's a really scary time. And like, that's the thing. It's like, you have to take that with a massive pinch of salt because it, it was such a scary time. We didn't know how bad this would be, you know? And like, you know, I lost my Nana in the pandemic and we didn't get to go to her funeral. It's oh. like, it's crazy. I guess. Yeah. I have friends who are like real, like travel bugs and they just, Every time they get like two weeks off, they're going to like Singapore or they're going to like, you know, so far. And I just like madly respect that because that's something that I really want to like overcome is the feeling that I am allowed to like travel to places for just fun. Because <laughs> like if it's not for work, I'm not allowed. But little by little, I'm getting there. And it's like, it's so beautiful. Like we went to New York for a week, for like a mini moon after our honeymoon because we didn't have time for a whole honeymoon. I'm so excited to plan a honeymoon, maybe like a big one next year or the year after.
0: Sorry I'm just I'm still distracted about uh, you know um, uh, uh, about the travel and how wonderful it is and, yeah. but I, uh, when you said you lost your nano and it was like I you know was so close to my nan and she died eight years ago but the sort of not being able to be at her funeral you know I know it's only a small part and you'd justify it by being a, a small part of their life and she would understand and everything but it was just yeah it's just hard wasn't it really hard. yeah I felt so
1: lucky before. that she got she got to see that final show because everyone was like oh she's too too kind of old to come to the show because I played in Manchester where she was staying near my cousins. Um and they were like ever she's too sort of weak to come to the show. And I was like, this will be the last show, I have a feeling. Um you never know, but I was right. Mm. My mum was right. And basically like my bass player Aaron, was a very big tall man, like like Simon lifted her like up the stairs because she couldn't get up the stairs. And this is the woman who's like, you know, she paid for my piano, like she paid for me to go to a, a better school than the one I was getting violently bullied at. So I could I could like Give all my love to this instrument and this life um and then she got to see me on stage in front of like you know three thousand people and it's like with like confetti cannons going off and I'm like I'm just so grateful that we've had that but what did she say she was just like she's not she's not one of like the chudley grandmas like she's quite like clipped but she was I think she was very impressed and she got to meet Ewan who's my husband and that was like she wouldn't have met him but yeah. she always thought that even when we were friends she was like Ooh, like, I think something's going on. Like, she really, really liked his family. And she, I was like, "Nan, we're just friends. She's like, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> oh, Nans are um, so precious. It was a difficult time, but we, you know, we celebrated her life and we talked about it and we did our own kind of little wait for her at home and we had to, you know, watch her funeral on Zoom, which is mental. Yeah, I always try and find, like, the positives in it. And I think... I'm just really glad she didn't have to like sit on her own throughout that whole pandemic. Yeah, I'm actually that really sad as
0: well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that would
1: have been kind of even, I don't know if that could have been worse. Even worse.
0: Yeah. You just don't know. Yeah. There's so many ways of weighing it up. Yeah. But I totally get that. Also, also yeah. in the pandemic, I read uh, that you started your your next album and because of the pandemic, we're recording part of it in a, in a shed. And the next part yeah. after the pandemic in some of the best recording studios in, in LA. Yeah. <laughs> It was kind of crazy because you think you get,
1: you'd get so much help with your second album because it's like more important than your first, you know, because it's like Mm -hmm. you're bigger. It was the complete opposite. Like everyone just stopped. Like there was no help, no feedback. And I was like, mother of God, like this is terrifying. So I turned to the fans. Like I literally was like, I've just been on tour for so long. I can't go to like nothing. I miss you guys so much. I have all these new songs and I don't know which ones to choose or which ones to work on. And it's overwhelming. And basically I said, like, I'm going to be on Instagram. I'm going to do an hour long live every Tuesday night for like 14 weeks. And the fans like tuned in and they were just there for me. Like they were just there. And I'd play old songs like Lost Out You and Castles. And then I'd put in new songs kind of, and they'd help me choose them. And be like, this is the one we like. This is, the... And they so clearly championed like three or four, well now like five songs that are on the album, like so hard from the very beginning. So for me... I just feel incredibly grateful because I think people would assume that you get a lot of help. Yeah, It was me, the fans, my family, and then when we got back together, you and <laughs> So it's kind of wild that this album... At the time, I was like, this is really scary. And now I'm like, I'm actually really, really grateful because I don't think I would have made an album that I just... I think I would have let the external pressure get to me, but there was none. So I was like, I'm just going to make it out of my love. Fuck it. No, it's like, no external
0: no, pressure, it. but also no external support. I mean, apart from the fans and they're the people that really count. And I, I guess what exactly. this, this world of um, social media and connection has given us in no. a way that it's sort of, in, in some ways, obviously you have to be talented and also be lucky and many other things. But in some ways it's mm-hmm. cut out the middleman, hasn't it? yeah in that sense that you can speak directly to your fans you can they can help you choose what they want the songs they like you know and exactly it was such a strange place to be but I'm so
1: grateful they did that for me and also like no one told me to do that in fact if anything they were like probably don't do that and I was like yeah, I'm yeah, gonna do, do that, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, you're, yeah, you're, you're so um, unfinished songs I'm like why not
0: yeah no exactly like, why not and you're in charge And it works. with
1: your fans is everything
0: so, yeah. You're you're incredibly open, and, and and I think most people, you know, a lot of people are these days. Again, social, some media, particularly <clears> of <throat> your generation. I'm a little bit older, but um, you know, sometimes it's really hard when you've got a, a profile on social media, which I have not as big as you, but I have as well. It's really mm-hmm. hard, like, to be any. I find I find it really hard to be anything else but myself. I'd find it like really difficult to pretend to be something I'm yeah. not and someone said to me in business they're a business person very successful the other day it said like I don't you know don't give away those personal details I was like I can't help it you know it's got not help it well,
1: I love that I think that authenticity and vulnerability is like that's the thing that like draws people to you and it's like my mum's favorite saying is always like connection not perfection mm. and every time that I'm panicking like you know before a show and I'm like I'm not going to sing it right she's like you don't have to you just have to like you know tap into something deeper and you have to mean it and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And it's true. like, whatever you're doing, it's kind of like you can try and give people what you think they want, or you can just be yourself and just, you know, save pocket and just see what happens. Oh
0: my god, I love that A connection, not perfection. I think I might like get that tattooed and send literally. Hindu it's my favorite <laughs> thing. It just anxiety just evaporates because it just reminds us that, yeah. like. Our goal in life is to
1: all be, like, these insane robot Barbies that just are, like, I'm we would have no, like, the imperfections and, like, you know, the grit and, like, the funniness and, like, the quirky, like, those are the things that people are, like, oh my god, it's so crazy, like, because I got to play my new single Weekends on Graham Norton, which is one of my biggest... Yeah, I watched it, I watched it, it was amazing, really good. You watched it! Ah! Honestly, childhood goal, like, I vision boarded that manifested that so hard and the Mm. fact that it happened and I kind of just let it go out into the ether not thinking anything would happen it happened I was like oh my god but I was signing vinyls the other day like I signed like 4,000 vinyls and um my arm was dead but basically the courier man he's kind of I think in his like mid to sort of late 40s maybe even fifty. um he came up the stairs to help me because the boxes are really heavy and he's like I don't want to be like out of out of turn Like, like, I actually, when you were on Graham Norton, like, your story is, like, the exact same as mine. Like, I was with someone, then we, like, broke up, got back together, and then we've just broken up again. And I've, you know, turned to learning piano to kind of get that emotion out of me. And to hear that you went through the same thing, it just, it means so much. And I was like, I just so nice. was dropped. Because Mm. he is not, I wouldn't say, like, a typical fan. Yeah, I was like, that's incredible that Mm. I was so embarrassed to say So many things, you know, I was embarrassed to say that I was like heartbroken. And now I'm embarrassed to say that I'm happy because it feels scary to say either. But at the same time, if it's true, it's true. And you can't
0: hide from that. Mm. And it does. It connect that vulnerability connected to me with people but I didn't even realize. You yes. know, you probably forget sometimes that there's a world out there, and not just the people who follow you on social media and, and things that who would you know, you probably got something in common with. But with the delivery guy, who's actually, you know, you're not something like, in common with. You know, you're still touching them with your music.
1: He's so sweet. He's like, if you ever need any help, like, you know, lifting stuff or like driving stuff like <laughs> I'm around.
0: I'm like, it's
1: just right? so sweet. Always. I was like, that was always my goal was to connect with people. And to feel like, you know, I wasn't alone in feeling this pain, you know, this heartbreak. And it's just I'm wanting to empower and rebuild yourself when when no one's there by your
0: side. And then suddenly they're there and they're, they're thousands. And it's like it's a beautiful thing. Connection, not perfection. Absolutely. Yeah. Talking of perfection, actually. So one of your, I, I don't know, we're we calling it a big break, not necessarily, but it was. It it certainly got your music to a yeah, you know, a larger audience. Was when your uh, song "Lost Without You" was played on Love Island. What was that? Like? I
1: know, it was incredible because. When I wrote Lost Without You, Love Island didn't even exist as a TV show. Mm. So it just shows you that you never know, like, the serendipitous way that things are going to happen. And out of a thousand things I've done, I would not say that that was even remotely on my radar. But I'm still so grateful to that moment because it did. It changed everything for me. And I think you do have to be grateful to any kind of catapult that gets you, you know, out of the wilderness and into a stratospheric feeling. Because it just, it opened so many doors and gave me so many incredible opportunities. Like, playing Glastonbury, like... Yeah, playing on the Late Late Show with James Corden, I was like, "This is surreal! Like, what is happening?" And I still, I still watch every episode of Love Island now because I didn't watch that episode.
0: I've I've never watched it at all. Not because I've got any snobby things about it, but I just don't have. I've got. I'm a single mum of two kids. I don't have time to sit and watch. It's a lot of time. Yeah, it's a lot of dedication.
1: Mm. Actually, it's kind of. I like to think of it as kind of like it's like the female equivalent of like football, but like for relationships. (laughs) It's kind of like watching someone be like oh he like goes in and he's like trying to like like hit on this girl like, Oh, she mm. at all. and then it's like oh he goes in but the kids really based you know you're like wee it's kind <laughs> of like for relationships football um I think that's why you know there's such a big female following to it and I yeah. just love watching it to kind of just repay the debt of gratitude and also I love discovering other artists on that show because sometimes I'll discover songs that I've never heard before um on that show and and other Netflix shows as well that's kind of how i how we all find music now via yeah, like shows i used I've to like,
0: find music on youtube and things that not not people performing yeah. but someone like doing a video like some uh youtuber that my kids watch casey nice nice Oh I or something. love nice yeah so he had a uh a song there and i was like oh my god what is that and i had to i can't remember who it was now but it was just really cool it was called cool. i didn't know but i forget what the band was but it was i was like oh, i nice. need to get that and actually, Love Island, I'm, I'm just sort of ve- veering away from the travel, which we do on here because it is about life stories through travel. But Love Island is a place of travel and it gives wow. you that sort of vibe, you know. It's like, yeah, oh, escape is when you can't
1: get yes. out of the UK and it's like a bit of sun. Definitely. I still find yeah. it so funny because it's like I couldn't get a tan if I tried. I've literally, <laughs> I've never been on a beach wearing a peony in my life. And yet suddenly this show, <laughs> full of amazingly bronzed people falling in love, is like part of my
0: life story. I feel I very kind Have it's you never? Incredible. Hang on, let me pull you up on that. You've never been on a beach in a bikini? Never in my life. Never. (laughs) That's interesting. So if you were to go on holiday, which obviously don't, what would you like to do? You you know, you don't have that much time in travel for work, but what would you like to do? I think
1: I would really like, you know, my husband really wants to go to Japan and I really want to go to Japan as well. So maybe for like our honeymoon, I also have this vision, like I want to stand under a waterfall in a tropical place because I've never been to a tropical place. No Mm. exaggeration, never. So it's, I'd love to do that. So maybe like, I really want to go to Hawaii. And he really wants to go to Japan. So maybe that could be our our honeymoon
0: one day. We never know. You can do that together. Absolutely. Like, you know, tie them in or do one of those round the world trips again. Yeah. You've been promoting be the yeah. album. Like, you, you seem to be traveling all over the place at the moment. I know. I was um, in Dublin yesterday. It was great. Ah, I saw that. I was looking at your Instagram. I was like, oh my God, Dublin. You're in Dublin. You're on Graham Norton and A with me. Yay. I feel so privileged. <laughs>
1: Honestly, Dublin, I really fell in love with it. Like, I've always loved Ireland so much. Yeah. I think, you know, I have ancestry from there and it's like probably why I'm a redhead. It was just so like, I can tell. You, grandpa- that's the, that's the no tan <laughs> thing. <laughs> it is no tan. So, we went to Dublin and I had kind of. Not like some time, but yeah, there was like a little bit of time. And I like walked around Dublin's like town center and just like had a lovely time. Like got a coffee and I was just walking around. And I just felt so lucky. I was like, you know, even like trying different food. Like the food in Dublin is amazing. I mean, obviously, like the French would hate me for saying this, but I I think it was really like better food than I've had in Paris. So oh, like yeah, the French hate that. <laughs> they hate that. But I think they 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 have special places for the for other French people, and I'd love to go to those places. But in general, like the food we had in Dublin was amazing. And just like, you know, the general like, Irish warmth is just, yeah, the great
0: crack. crack. <laughs> yeah, great crack. Yeah, it is. It's so, I, I just love a dark pub with, you know, someone playing the, the is it the Boran? Uh, yeah, the you know, the, the Boran. Boran, that's it. Yeah.
1: My mum oh, plays like really? Celtic Park and we have a Boran.
0: Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, I love your, I love your childhood. Even if you didn't, um, if you didn't really go anywhere, you know, I love the fact that you all, did you ever all sort of play together?
1: Yeah, like sometimes it kind of like rarely happen. But my brother taught himself guitar as well. I have one younger brother called Arden and he's like 21. and He's incredible because he's taught himself guitar. And sometimes like we'd all have an accidental jam. And obviously my husband's a singer as well. So it's like sometimes when we were around the other night, we were kind of singing some of them. Uh, we're talking about bedtime songs that like my mom used to sing me and my brother. And I, I like remember every word and we started singing them and then we started singing it in like five part harmony. I
0: was like, what is going on? Oh. This is so cool.
1: <laughs> and no one stopped. So we just did the whole song in
0: five part harmony. And Then we just stopped. We were like, that was cool. <laughs> That's so cool. What are your, oh my God. So I'm going to come on to my last question there, which is kind of tied up because like my, my thing is music. I don't play anything. My brother's a musician, but I absolutely love music and I love travel and those two yeah falling into my last question now but I'm going to ask you about this before I ask you my last question and then if it was this answer you've got to come up with something else so the bedtime music is what you're talking about so I'm a single mom and I've got two boys and even though Aww. we've got the room for anything else, they they sort of sleep with me. They're very attached yeah. to me at the moment. They're now ten and eight, and so yeah. in bedtime I get uh, we listen to bedtime music, and they're not so into music in the daytime because they're more about the devices these days, and they play out and mm-hmm. stuff. They do have lives, but um, uh, so mm-hmm. at night it's my chance to like get them into some music. So I'm I'm thinking of things that are like bedtime-y. We do music, morning music as well, which is yeah. obviously got a di- different tempo. But I'm playing them you know, my favourite songs and also songs I think they should know and just sort of using the time to educate them about um, about music. So what were your bedtime songs? What were they? <laughs> so I love the fact that you use that time to
1: like show your, your boys like the songs you love because I think, yeah, I've never thought of like playing music because so my mom would always sing it. My dad would sometimes sing it but it was always my mum and we'd get like a like an itchy back at the same time it's like my favorite combo ever and when I was babysitting kids I'd give them a rubby back and give them the same Aww. songs and they loved it like it was the only way to get them to bed was to be like you get a song if you go to bed now they're like fine I will oh go my now. god can you come around mine every evening about <laughs> nine please I'm in Brighton, I know, you you like people Brighton. Rubby backs and like <laughs> sing songs to them but the songs that she would always sing are Every Time You Say Goodbye Ella Fitzgerald and one time when I was in Scotland on tour my sustain pedal broke and the piano kind of just stopped, and I was on, I was on tour supporting Ray LaMontagne. The piano stopped, three thousand people in like Glasgow, and I just panicked, and I was like, "What songs do I know like a cappella?" And mm-hmm. I just sang every time we say goodbye, like my mom sang to me oh. at bedtime. But a cappella to like three thousand Scots, And I was like, "Wow, that happened." Okay. Again, so it was kind of shivers,
0: crying. You're going to make me cry for about the fifth time on this podcast.
1: <laughs> no. Um, and then the other song is a song from a film called The Three Amigos, which is one of my mum's favourite films. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny with like Steve Martin and Martin Short. Who else is it? But basically yeah, it's, we call it Boombie Dee Dee. It's like Boombie Dee Dee, Dee Dee, Dee Dee. And there's like a kind of cowboy round the fire song. It's a really, really good song. It's in the film and she'd sing that to us. And then she do like the little character at the end being like, good night, Ned. He's like, good night, Dusty.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's, really that's so lovely. Um, I'm going to have to watch that again. I'll watch it with my kids. It's a really cool, it's a really good song, actually. Um, uh, so I'm totally going to throw you oh yeah is there another one because I'm totally going to throw you now and ask you my last question and you can't use the the answers that I just okay Yeah. Okay, fine so my last question because you know music is my absolute fashion and for some stupid reason never began to learn anything although my brother is a professional musician who lives in LA you should meet him he would love wow. it. but um what does he play he's well he his main instrument is guitar um but he, wow. plays, a lot, he plays everything you know a bit like everyone yeah yeah he lives in LA set, yeah he lives in LA yeah lives in like so cool. the Troubadour and the Sunset Marquee and just, I love
1: the Troubadour I uh, that yeah. it's so such a beautiful venue
0: yeah it's really good and he so he loves that he has this great you know this great great life and uh um, oh, your brother so, yeah, younger he's, or older uh he's two years older yeah so I'm probably, oh so yeah. cute
1: yeah, love yeah
0: that. It's good. um but uh, yeah so I, I never you know learned any music myself even though it's my thing but my Because Why I want to do this podcast is I'm so inspired by Desert Island Discs that it's basically kind of ripping off that, but with travel, which I love equally. So my last question, getting to it, is always about music, because I think that music and travel also go very, very much hand in hand, you know, sort of helping cement memories and moments and everything. So if I had to ask you to choose one song that reminds you of a memorable time and place of travel, um, what is that song and what is the memory? There you um go. got there in the end It was like
1: 2018, I think. I just played Barn on the Farm, which was this amazing festival that has like really indie artists, but then they go on to be really big. Like Ed Sheeran played it was one of his first festivals, and then James Bay played it as one of his first festivals. And I just I love the vibe there. It's a really cool little festival. If you have a chance to go, it's incredible. Um but it's honestly a really nice festival, not too big, you could like take kids, it's really nice. But I, we had a surprise guest who was Nick Mulvey, and I had never heard of him. My friend was like, You have to come see him. And I was like, OK, sweet. And I got really, really obsessed with this song called um, Meet Me There. And basically I I was not with um, the person that I'm currently with. I was really, really heartbroken. But we'd seen each other at this festival and we hadn't seen each other in like seven months. And I was like, oh. and this song, like the lyrics, I just really imprinted on it. And then I went on a tour around the whole of America, a uh, support tour. And I was going down like the West Coast of America, like looking out at all like the the sea and kind of it was just it was so beautiful and it was actually something that I visualized with my mom's friend who was a life coach and she was trying to help me like overcome my fear of like success and going for music and I was thinking about giving up music she like visualized one thing I was like i will be driving down the west coast of America like in a tour bus like a little van Probably a couple years later it happened and basically I was like listening to this song like on repeat to kind of, kind of like almost manifest him back to me because the song in the story is like There's a place, like, meet me there. Like, it's kind of almost like a story of two people who haven't seen each other in a long time coming back together. And I was kind of, like, listening to it just, like, on repeat. So that was the song that will always remind me of that that journey
0: down the West Coast of America. Oh, that's beautiful. You're almost bringing me to tears again. Freya, thank you so much for coming on the Big Travel Podcast. I've loved it. This has been a joy. Thank you so much (laughs) for having me. Thank you so much Freya. What a wonderful human you are and the new album Blood Orange is fantastic. Remember we love to hear from you so thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and all that jazz so do come along and say hello.